great future. We're talking real money. Well, I recently came to the realization that we are way behind on answering your questions that were called in to 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Generally, I've been answering most of the questions that came in from Talking Real Money because they sound so good, and I've kind of forgotten about the phones. I apologize. Um, So I went through trying to catch up on the calls and decided to do a Thursday just phone call day. This is all calls to 855-935-TALK. Now, just to preface this, um, if you don't hear your answer, you might want to call us on Saturdays between 3 and 5 Eastern time and do your do your question on the, the radio show we do that becomes a podcast. Reason being is I had a couple of calls where I just couldn't, you, it was cutting out so badly and the quality was so bad, I couldn't understand some of the questions, so I couldn't answer those. Uh, and I don't have any way to get in touch with you, so I couldn't answer them. So, uh, yeah, and the quality on the phone calls isn't that great. So if you have a choice between calling in your questions or speaking them at TalkingRealMoney.com using your computer or your iPhone or your whatever your device might be, it's it's actually really easy. You just push a button and it, and it records your words out of your phone. So try that. But I'm going to take a bunch of calls. Uh, let's see how many of them. Five, five calls to try to get caught up to almost April. And then we'll do some more um, maybe over the weekend. So let's get started. Let's get started with uh, this call. Hello, my name is Jonathan in lovely Burien, Washington. And I have a question about hodgepodge-itis. Got into this uh, uh, single stock thing back in... A couple of years ago, bought a bunch of single stocks, but I'd like to see how I can ease my way out of it uh, using uh, the Robinhood app and uh, Webull app. <laughs> so, yeah, I might have hot pods. It is pretty bad, but I'd like to see how it is that you're supposed to get out of it without a lot of penalty. I would suspect that. And it might not be possible, but I appreciate your help, uh, and I appreciate uh, any answer that you could give me. Thank you, and have a good day. Ah, so you have a single stock hodgepodge. You decided you were going to be a stock picker. A lot of people do. I did it once. You know, Many of us have done that and then realized the error of our ways. Um, apparently, you did it to a pretty broad extent, and bought a lot of them the only way to really do this if they are not if if, if they're in a, a a tax advantaged account like an ira then you can just get out of them and get into etfs and get broad diversification right away if not if they're in a taxable account then you need to consider taxes because in in small amounts capital gains can even be tax-free depending on what your income bracket is. So what you have to do is do a little tax planning. You have to sit down and figure out what your tax bracket is and then how much you can sell to not kick yourself up into a higher both income and capital gains bracket. So it requires a little a little tax planning. It might even pay, if it's something you dread doing, to 
hire someone to do to help you create a plan to get out of these overtime, to talk with an accountant and maybe create a, a tax sale plan. And this is one of the things we talk about. Not only do you need an income plan, but at some point in your life, you need a tax plan too, which should be part of an overall financial plan that really anybody who wants to retire comfortably probably should have. But you need to tax sell slowly, gradually, because if you do it all at once and you've got a lot of gains, the effect could be pretty disastrous. Well, not disastrous, expensive. But again, my rule is if you made money, it's not such a terrible thing to pay the taxes, at least your money ahead. And thank you so much for the call. And let's take another one. Hey, Don and Tom. Thanks. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate your, your show and your help. Um, my name is Bob. I'm calling from the San Antonio, Texas area. My wife and I, um, let's see, I'm 64. She's 63. She's retired. She actually put in uh, nearly 20 years over at uh, Lockheed Martin. So um, I'm still working. Um, she had a pension. I do not have a pension. We have Roths and, and uh, her, her uh uh, or my 401ks over the years. And then we also have, um, you know, her portfolio that's in her retirement account. So the biggest question I have is, um, first of all, uh, we have about 1.1 million approximately currently, <laughs> you know, it changes daily. Um, the bulk of the portfolio, though, um, is Lockheed Martin uh, ESOP, so company stock. Uh, LMT preferred, I believe, and you know it's it's 500. Okay, so the question I have is, when we do start to need the money, um, how do we divest that? Do we sell pieces of it and take the money that way? Do we convert a, a larger percentage of it at a time to something else? Um, should we do it now? I mean, I, I think it's a pretty stable company. <laughs> I think you'll agree. Um, she used to uh, reinvest dividends, but now she's taking the dividends out as uh, you know in, in, in cash as, as part of her income. Her income. I plan on working um, about another year um, once I re qualify for Medicare and everything. I'll I'll probably start ramping down or, or quit working then. Not quite sure yet. She is taking besides the dividends on that stock. She's taking her Social Security already. I plan to wait on my Social Security till I'm about. I probably try to wait till I'm 70, as close as I can, and uh, and then we'll start drawing some some money out. So um, that's really the base of the question is, you know, what do we do with that with that Lockheed Martin stock? Um, the rest of our portfolio, we followed a lot of your advice already, so we're already in, you know, uh, you know, BTI and BND and. Uh, uh, VRV or VBV, something like that, the value stock, small business value and stuff. So we're pretty good divested there, and the other half of her retirement in the Lockheed Martin stuff is, is balanced well as, as, as well. Um, bonds, uh, major index, uh, ETFs, et cetera. So um, that's the question. Thanks very much for taking the call, and um, I appreciate your help. Thanks. Bye. This is a pretty common dilemma. You and your wife have built up a lot of wealth through a very generous stock 
employee stock option program. And uh, it now, though, makes up a dangerously large part of your portfolio. And you, you make the same argument that everybody who has a big chunk of money in a single stock makes. Well, you know, it's a, it's a pretty stable company. They're always stable companies right up until the day they're not. And the problem is they rarely signal you that, oops, this is the day we're going to be in bad shape. I mean, one of the most recent examples is Silicon Valley Bank. It was a publicly traded bank. And you, if you own stock in that bank, you didn't know it was in trouble until it was in trouble, until it was too late to do anything about it. People at Enron didn't know until it was too late. People at MCI WorldCom didn't know until it was too late. People at Washington Mutual didn't know until it was too late. People at all kinds of companies didn't know until it was too late. And right up until that point, they were great, great companies. They were really good companies till the day they weren't. So you have to start a disciplined program of selling. And like I said to the previous caller, you need to plan for this. There needs to be a tax plan so that you can get out gradually. Now, I know she's living off those dividends or using those to help support you guys. But the fact of the matter is you you can you got to get out and you want to have a diversified portfolio where you're not just taking money from dividends, but you're taking money from both the, the capital gains accrued over the years and dividends. It's a better, more rounded approach to income generation and retirement. So you need a plan for that. Um, there were a couple other things I noticed. One, be careful. You want to make sure your wife is covered by Medicare before you retire. So make sure she's 65 too. And I like the fact that you're waiting until 70. Uh, but really the Lockheed stock, start now. Just gradually start selling it off and replacing it with all those good diversified products you mentioned. You've got really great stuff. And that, again, nothing wrong with Lockheed Martin today, but who knows about the future. Thank you so much for your call. And the number again is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Here's our next call. Hi, Don and Tom. Um, I'm um, divorced and I'm 58 years old. And I'm starting, or I've been um, putting money into a SEP IRA. Uh, and I've heard your show before. It, my, um, the custodian currently is Fidelity. And I've heard you mention on your phone, your show before, a few of the ETFs that are pretty safe, the time-based ones. Could you actually review some of your more popular ones, ones that you feel safe? I do feel that um, I have maybe 10 years left of retirement, and currently I have about 7,000, um, but I do look to add, I do want to add more as time goes on. I know I'm on a short crunch here. I do have another IRA in um, a different location worth about um, maybe 500 grand, but I do want to work with this fidelity without having to have an advisor and just was wanted to put money into it as you and Tom and Clark Howard keeps suggesting. So any names or particular funds that would be on the safe zone for um, seven to 10 year uh, retirement would be great. Thank you. Oh gosh, I hate the word safe. People use it loosely, <laughs> too loosely. What is safe? What do you mean by safe? Do you mean I don't want to see any fluctuation in the value? I can't imagine that's the case since you're with Fidelity, but 
if see, you've got to be careful how you use and what you mean by safe. A well-diversified portfolio is inherently safe from total loss. If you own a lot of things, you really can't lose everything unless the entire economy collapses, but you can lose stuff over short periods of time. Now, I think what you're talking about are target date funds. Target date funds are really great in a on a very general basis. The only problem I have with target date funds is that they generally base the risk of the portfolio, the level of volatility, on your age. So you really have to determine what safety means to you. And I think a great place to start might be a Talking Real Money and take our risk quiz to see what your real risk tolerance is. That'll give you an idea of what your balance might be between stocks and bonds. And then you can look at the various Fidelity target date funds and determine which one has the allocation that best suits your risk tolerance. And Fidelity has some very fine target date products. So, uh, But you want to use the one that fits your tolerance for risk and your need to take it. But uh, at this point, it's probably more tolerance than need. So that's what I would do. And then try to define what you mean by safe. And, and again, the risk quiz will help you do that. Thank you so much for your call. I so appreciate it. And let's take the next one. Yes, my question is regarding the bank spread. So in the past, when the banks could borrow from the Fed, it's basically zero, and loan it out for people to purchase mortgages, say 3%, so there's a spread of 3%. So currently, if, if it's 5% in the overnight from the Fed, and they're loaning it out around 6, 6.4 for a 30-year mortgage, now their spread is cut in half. So if you can please discuss this, I'd appreciate a little information about this, especially if the Fed wants to raise rates even further, which would be beyond what someone with these currently overinflated housing prices would want to borrow upon if they could even afford it in the first place. Thank you. Bye. Well, nobody can deny that banks were really enjoying 0% interest rates. They, they enjoyed some substantial profits and spreads when they can borrow from the Fed at near zero and lend it out at two or three. I, I mean, they were lending it, though. They were borrowing at zero and lending it at two. I, I have a mortgage that's just a smidge over two. So the spread between borrowing at five and doing a six and a half percent mortgage is not that much different. It's a little bit different. The problem is more more a supply and demand issue. There there's not a lot of demand for these, or there's lessened demand for mortgages just because of the the rates and and the economic conditions. However, bear in mind that a lot of the big banks, like Bank of America, I mean, they're they're borrowing money short term from you consumers at still about 0% because we're not demanding more. I mean, my savings account at Bank of America still paying 0.01%. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, that is not anything. Uh, but this is part of economic cycling. Economy cycle. And we can't get caught up in how they're cycling because this is what they do. And they go from 
lots of money being made by one sector of the economy to less being made by that sector of the economy and more money being made by another sector in the economy. The problem is you can't know from one moment to the next which sector of the economy is going to do better or worse. I guarantee you there weren't very many people saying, well, gee, interest rates are going to go up to the uh, mid-single digits in no time at all. Uh, It happened, and it took a lot of people by surprise, like banks. But this is what happens. And it gets baked into the market and it moves forward. So is there anything going on here that would change the way I invest for the future? Not a thing. This is absolutely normal. And that's why we suggest every investor just diversify like mad. You don't focus on real estate. You don't focus on banking. You don't focus on consumer durables. You don't focus on energy. You have them all in your portfolio because some will do well and some won't and all we're trying to get this is what is lost in all of these arguments and all of this uh, overthinking is all we're trying to do is just get the returns of the market over time because those have been very good the average annual return for stocks over a hundred years just diversified stocks u.s stocks has been about 10 percent per year Who's going to gripe about that? Problem is, we all want to beat it all the time. Oh, I want I want a, a, a 10%, uh, even when the market's going down, and then when the market's going up, I want to keep my 20 or 25%. No, that's not the way it works. If it worked that way, everybody would be doing it. And if everybody was doing it, then it wouldn't work. It's pretty simple. Thank you so much for calling, and let's do one more. Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm calling uh, because... I don't have money to quote unquote invest. I have a house that's probably valued well over a million dollars and I owe 174,000 on it. And that's our asset. Um, I have a large family and seems like every dime I make uh, pays for our bills and things like that. So, if uh, you can give me some kind of financial advice, like what should I do at this point in my life, um, that would be great. Again, no savings, uh, no investments of any kind. Uh, all of our money is tied up in our house. Thanks. Bye. It sounds to me, and I don't know, there are a lot of things I don't know about your situation, uh, but it sounds to me like you've been overpaying your mortgage. And this is one of the problems of overpaying a mortgage. Your your goal may have been, and I'm guessing, to get a paid-off house. But in the process of doing that, you left yourself cash poor. You have nothing invested. You have no liquidity. You have no money that you can easily, quickly and easily get your hands on. And that's a problem. You need to, if you are paying extra on your mortgage, and again, I don't know because you didn't tell me, but if you are paying extra on your mortgage, stop it right now. Stop and put that extra money into an investment portfolio of some kind. Again, I don't know what that is. If you don't have IRAs and you're eligible, then you should have regular IRAs or even better, probably Roth IRAs. Invest in those with that extra money. Once you've maxed those out, then just put it in regular old ETFs and a regular old taxable account based on your risk tolerance. And again, go take the risk quiz to find out what your risk tolerance is. It's at TalkingRealMoney.com and it's free and you don't get bugged by anybody. Uh, but you need you need 
to start saving some way, somehow. And that may mean going over your budget with a fine-tooth comb and saying, where can we cut? What can we trim? It's easy to say, well, life is just expensive. Life's expensive. But what are you going to do when you get to retirement? And the kids are grown, and they're saying, you're on your own. I'm struggling myself. What are you going to do? What's your Social Security going to be? Can you live on that? And you can go to socialsecurity.ssa.gov and find out. Can you live on that? If not, you're going to have to have another plan. You need a plan for income. Owning a paid-off house is nice, but only if you have other money that can take care of the bills. That's why we are so opposed. We are in opposition to Mr. Ramsey. We do not believe it is always best to have no mortgage, no debt whatsoever. Mortgage debt is different because houses are incredibly illiquid. Unless you want to pay a lot of money to take out a reverse mortgage or something, which is not the best option. I mean, it's an option, but it's not the best option. Um, You can borrow against your house. That's not the best option. So what you need to do is find out a way to start saving today so that you can build that wealth for the future. And I want to thank you all for the great calls. Remember, you can call and actually speak with us every Saturday from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific at 855-935-TALK. You can also leave your questions, either typewritten or spoken, at TalkingRealMoney.com. That's also the place where you're going to find the risk quiz, where you can determine your risk tolerance. That's also the place where if you'd like to get a little bit of a plan and you, you don't, you're not looking to hire an advisor. You just want a little bit of help. Our advisors will help. They just won't do it forever for free, but they'll help for free. No obligation, no high-pressure sales pitch at all, period. So go there, check all the stuff out there. There's a lot of great information. And thank you so much for being a part of this. We'll have more Q&A on the Friday edition of Talking Real Money as we do every single week, or at least almost every single week. I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for being here as we talk real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now? 